At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Well, aren't you a trooper? You're on episode 39. Did you start here or have you been listening all the way through? I'm not sure, but I sure am glad that you've tuned in. Thank you so much for joining us on Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Today is about recovering out loud. What is it and why is it a recommendation? Recovering out loud. One of the missions of within the PTSD community, PTSI, OSI, however you want to call it, is removing stigma. Well, they call PTSD the invisible wound. And for the most part it is, unless you have the trained eye. With the trained eye, it's not hard to see who's wounded when you know what to look for. But some are more of a ninja than others. You can't always see it, which is why it's important If you have an invisible wound, when you're ready to not hide that wound, to not hide your recovery, the more it's a secret, the more there's a stigma. The more you talk about it, the more you talk about it, the less of a secret it is, the less of a secret it is, the less of a stigma there is. So recover out loud. Not being a victim or saying, hey, pay attention to me, look at my wounds, take pity on me. Most of us don't do that. Some do, but most don't. The reason I think it's great when people decide to recover out loud, as I do, is because other people hear your stories and people go, oh, geez, I thought that guy or that lady really had their stuff together. They seem so strong. Well, having an injury is not a weakness. It's not a weakness. It's an injury. If you catch a bullet in the arm, goes right through your arm, people go, geez, talk about thin-skinned. That bullet would have bounced off of me. Went right through him. What a weakling, because that bullet went through you. Nobody does that because it's asinine, it's ridiculous. An OSI, an operational stress injury, yes, you can be resilient to it. Through training and preparation and practice, you can have a mental flak jacket on. But it doesn't mean there's not going to be a fast enough, strong enough bullet that will just whistle right through. Nobody is immune from an OSI. Nobody. It can happen to anybody. When it happens, it's an injury. And again, it's often an invisible injury. When you recover out loud, others know that you are on the journey to recovery. And those that have an inkling that maybe they got some issues too, are going to start to engage you in conversation and ask questions like, so what are you doing? Like, how's therapy going? What other things are you doing? Have you tried CBD oil? 
What have you tried? They're asking you these questions because they know, at least at some level, that it's time to start addressing the issue. But us heroes really, well, first of all, we never call ourselves heroes ever, ever, or super rarely anyway. But we still like wearing the cape. So we don't need help. I got this. I'm fine. I got it. I can do this myself. I don't need help. I don't need no therapist. I don't know why I'm using a Southern accent. (laughs) Ridiculous. But I don't, I know that I can't do it myself. I thought I could for years and years and years. And of course I crashed and burned because that's what happens when you try to do it by yourself. It takes help. It takes a community. It takes an outside person looking in to help you see the things that you don't want to see, to help you see that your own behavior is not okay. That's so hard. That's why therapy sucks balls. It's just horrendous. It is so tough, but it's worth it. It's an ugly, ugly ruck march, but it's worth it. You could be wrecked the day before therapy in anticipation and anxiety, day of, and maybe a couple of days after, but it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it because it doesn't get better with time. Time does not heal all wounds. It might settle things down and bury them, but it doesn't heal them. It doesn't. You have to pick at the scab. You have to rip that scab off and let it bleed and fester so that you can deal with it and stitch it up properly. You have to process the traumas. At least that's been my experience. There is some debate about it, but none with clinical results. Clinical empirical results are shown that although... Some people are more resistant to therapy than others. It's really so critical to do the therapy. If you don't have access to therapy, I have good news for you. Really good news. Peer support has been shown, clinically proven, to have a similar, if not even better, efficacy. So it works better than therapy. But you shouldn't do either or. It's not either or. You got to do both. You got to do both. One of the reasons is that peer support is often done very, very poorly. It's done with the best of intentions, but it's super vulnerable. People can screw you up worse with bad advice and poor skills in the world of peer support than if you hadn't had any at all. The worst PTSD symptoms I have ever suffered through was in a group of other veterans who were trying to help each other get through PTSD. It was terrible. They broke every rule because they weren't far enough down the road in their own road to recovery and self-discovery and self-awareness and situational awareness. They didn't have the training or self-understanding to be dealing with those outside of them. They weren't in a position to help. It's like the pre-flight thing that you keep, 
getting explained to us again and again, and it seems so annoying. You got to put the mask on yourself first before you can help others. Well, it's the same thing with trauma recovery. You have to have yourself sorted out enough that you can help others. As you are getting yourself sorted out, I know we don't like talking about it. I had one cop friend, as I'm being open about it, he literally was whispering to me, hey, I've been seeing some people too for help. It's me too. And that's how so many people are. And I don't fault them for it, especially if you are still active service in whatever your profession is. If you're active service, maybe there's still a stigma. Maybe it's still a career ender for some people. That could be. But thank the Almighty, over the last five years, it's been less and less and less of a career ender. It's been okay to talk about it. It's been okay to reach out for help. But that stigma is still there. The fear of being discovered that you are injured is still there. The fear of it being a career ender is still there in many, many situations. But the more we recover out loud, the more we say, yep, I got wounded. I have a psychological wound and it sucks and I struggle with it. And you admit to the symptoms. Yeah, my guts don't work so good. Got to be pretty close to a toilet. <laughs> It's terrible. Who likes talking about that? Nobody. That's the case with a lot of us. Certainly with myself. Yep. Still got an issue with temper. Yep. Still have an issue with anxiety. Yep. Still hate crowds. Still have nightmares. Now, all of these things have improved significantly because of years of therapy. Things have improved. But if I keep it to myself, other people don't know that they're not alone. One of the, and I just had this conversation again today with another veteran friend. There's things that are embarrassing to talk about, but they're true. One of them uh, for hypervigilance, mentally murdering people. <laughs> if you, like, all of us can sort of chuckle at it. If you've been hypervigilant, if you have pulled the trigger or in some way physically dispatched other human beings in your mind again and again and again and again, because it's part of running the scenarios, the combat scenarios. It's threat assessment after threat assessment. And part of the threat assessment is, okay, there's these four people. What are my weapons of opportunity? How do I deploy, deploy those weapons of opportunity? Who do I take out first? Who do I think knows how to fight and who do I think is, uh, if I take that person out first, the other people will lose confidence. Who's the biggest one? Who seems to be the alpha? Because I'll take the alpha out first. Now, how would I do that? Do I have any allies here? Do I have anything, anybody that I think would uh, jump in and have my back? What are my escape routes? Where, do, where are the points of egress? Constant, 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 constant. This dogged me for at least five years after the war that I went through, and it is horrendous. You don't like to admit that shit. People think you're crazy. Unless they have the same issues going on. Then, they're, then they just know that they're not alone. 
I don't like talking about it. I don't like admitting it on this podcast. But the reason I do is I know for a fact that others are doing it too, that they are experiencing hypervigilance too, and they think they're crazy too, and they're not. It is a regular symptom of PTSD, of an OSI, especially if you're operationally trained. Hypervigilance, hypervigilance, hypervigilance. That's why I recover out loud. So others don't think they're crazy. Instead of thinking they're crazy, they just recognize that they are in fact wounded and they need help. If you recover out loud, others will see themselves in you. If you recover out loud, others will know that it's nothing to be ashamed of that you were wounded. A couple of friends of mine that are double amputees like to wear shorts. Check out the metal legs. They don't give a shit. They're not embarrassed that they have metal legs and they don't care if it makes some people uncomfortable or a little awkward that they're walking around with a pair of metal legs. Because it helps others understand. It's like, oh, you're wounded. Okay, that's why you have a slight difference in the gait. So I'm not going to ask you uh, if you have a sore leg. I can see that you've been wounded. So I'm not going to ask about your limp. Not going to ask about that. Because I don't have to, because I understand that you're wounded. When you recover out loud, people will understand why maybe sometimes you just got to leave the room and go for a walk. You just have to. They'll understand why you don't stay at the party very long. You show up shake a few hands, tell a couple jokes and leave. Maybe you're the first one to go every time. Maybe you don't like showing up at staff parties. And when you do, it's not every staff party. It's just one out of three. Maybe it helps people understand that you're not antisocial. Well, maybe you are, but it's not because you don't like them. It's because it causes you pain. It's not because you're a jerk. It's because you're looking after yourself. You're exercising self-care. The more you recover out loud, the more those around you can support you by not criticizing you. The more they can support you by just simply having understanding. Oh, Julie has to leave early again. That's okay. We understand why. And that's okay. I'm Mark Meinke. And I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. And I'm here to ask you to find the courage to recover out loud. Share this podcast. Share this episode. So that others know that you're listening to it. That's a signal that you are recovering out loud. Encourage others to do so. Let them know that there's help. Let them know that there's a voice out there that gets it. Because when you hear your story through my story, you know that you're not nuts. And you know that there's nothing wrong with reaching out for help.
Be well out there and recover out loud. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. 